Hello, everyone. I am Jennifer Klug. I'm the CEO of the National Association for Business Resources. It's nice to have you with us today. We're hosting this interview session uh, with my friend Tom Gimbel in conjunction with um, the Best and Brightest Programs and Court Magazine. Let me introduce Tom to everyone. Uh, he's in the staffing industry. We're all talking about recruitment, retention, recruitment, recruitment. Uh, looking forward to getting his wisdom and insight. You've been around for a while, Tom, in the staffing industry. <laughs> I thought we were going to be nice on this, Jennifer. We that's a little rough to start off. Huh? <laughs> well, that's why you're here is because you know a thing or two. And I think uh, others out there could learn. Um, I know you have been a best and brightest company to work for for many years, not only in Chicago, but at the national level. And you've scored extremely high, both locally uh, in Chicago and at the national level. So congratulations to that. And uh, it takes a great leader that drives culture. So not only are you a, a staffing expert, but you're also a culture expert. Welcome. Well, thanks, Jennifer, for the kind words. As I was telling you before we started that um, what Best and Brightest and, and Business Resources has built is phenomenal. And the name recognition that the award has, that the recognition has, is is really just climbed up and up and up to a point that it's equal to almost any recognition there is in business. So we take so much pride in it. And, um, you know, I, I guess I set the tone, but if you don't have great people, having the best ideas don't matter. So it's, I'm very fortunate to have a great team and we work well together. Very true, very true. For those that don't know LaSalle Network, could you give them a feel for what you do, your area of expertise within your operations and your reach? Sure. So we're a recruiting and staffing firm, uh, all white collar. We have a search, permanent search group, and then we have a temporary and contract business. And we've got about 300 employees, of which about 200 and a little over 200 are recruiters. And we're headquartered in Chicago, but we do work in about 38 states around the country in the areas of IT, accounting and finance, uh, healthcare revenue cycle, uh, human resources, marketing, sales, operational support. We've got about nine different verticals that we do. And on the things that we don't do, uh, we usually introduce our clients to specialists in that area and try to be a conduit to help everybody. And those industries are high burnout industries right now too. So I can only imagine uh, what's going on with you. You know, there's the great resignation. I prefer to call it the great uh, reevaluation. I prefer. I <laughs> where there's a focus on uh, recruitment, retention, and engagement for many leaders. Um, what are you seeing out there right now? Is it as bad as they say in the media? I mean, what? What? give us a 30-second overview of what's really happening. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I, I don't love the great resignation because the majority of people that are leaving jobs are leaving for other jobs. They're not leaving to go stay at home. You've got some people that may have re-entered the workforce right before COVID, and then you go through all this stuff with childcare and things, and they chose not to stay. But there aren't a ton of people that are, hey, you know what, I'm gonna go live on the beach for a year, for six months. It's just not that way. The majority, I mean, I, I know a lot of people, and I don't know anybody that's doing that right now, right? I'm sure you're the same way. You get a few here and there, but the majority of people are finding jobs that'll pay more, that'll let them work fully remote, that'll be in an industry they wanna be in, a job that's a more challenging job. Um, I, I actually just see it a lot differently than what's being portrayed in the media. Yeah, well, there were there were 
um, many people that quote unquote left the workforce, um, many women left the workforce. Um, they're coming back, but in a different way. So there is a little bit of that, but not what you're hearing in the media. Right. Well, you have people that left the workforce. So maybe they, they and a lot of it's in the hospitality and service industries too. So you have people that were going in and being servers. And now they said, well, I can't do that because my kids may get called out of, out of school and because of a COVID scare and I got to do that. And so is that the great resignation or is that saying I have to be there to take care of my kids? And you have this conflict uh, that's going on. And I think it just goes back to who the primary caretaker is in so many families that that fortunately or unfortunately it's females and that that really draws a line. And that's unfortunate because women are so productive in the workforce that, you know, I don't know if it's by choice that they want to leave or due to their, their family situation, that they're the, the, the chosen one to be at home, right? I, I think that's something that doesn't get discussed nearly enough. Very true. So what looking ahead, how can you prepare executives for maybe the top three things they need to focus on as it relates to staffing and recruitment? I think number one, that every person who runs a team, whether you're an executive or a middle manager or what have you, is are you prepared for your best person to leave, period. We live in a world where the divorce rate of marriage, or marriage's divorce rate is 50%. To think that people in a, in a corporation might not leave is crazy. So you've gotta be prepared. You might not like it, but you've gotta be prepared for your best person to leave and know how you'd regroup, number one. Number two, you've gotta have a funnel of talent available. And what that means is you've gotta continually be interviewing people for positions that report up to you. And every leader, every manager should be doing this, whether it's two a month, one a week, five a quarter, however you want to do it, you should have a continual flow of interviews that are helping you measure what you have versus what's available and how that's going. And then thirdly, you've got to be doing stay, what I call stay interviews, retention interviews, is you've got to be spending time with your people to find out how they're doing, do they like their job, are they feeling challenged, and what they want to accomplish this year. And I believe that if you do that, you'll eliminate turnover by 70 to 80% because people will feel that you're invested in them and it's an emotional connection in the workplace and people like to be around people that, that care about them. Yeah, fair enough. Well, you know, as, as a fellow CEO, when you say be prepared uh, that your best person would leave, that's terrifying for many yeah. of us, for many of us, but it's, it's reality, as you mentioned. Um, and the, the, what I'd like to add to that is if you have a culture where people feel comfortable saying, this isn't working for me, nine times out of 10, you can find a way to make it work, right? Whether you put the person in the right position for them or um, you lead peacefully with that person. I, I think that's a lesson that I've learned in, in the past is um, not take it personal, you know, as a small business, don't take it personal that someone's leaving and do the best to, um, to help them on their career. Cause you never know, they might be coming back. They might That's be absolutely coming. right. And they could end up being your best client. They could be a referral source. There's so many things. Heck, we could all lose our job. Something could happen to our business. We could work for them one day, right? You never know where, where <laughs> anything's going to go, right? So let's not, I'm not a big fan of burning bridges. Right, right. They could buy us, which sounds yeah, kind of well, great. Is that? <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> Bring it. <laughs> um, so everything going on, you know, this transformation of work and how we're working. Um, 
every, some are hybrid. Uh, retail manufacturing don't have the luxury of some of the hybrid work. Uh, we're coming out of the pandemic slowly. What's going to stick? What do you think, what, what we're doing and how we're operating now, what do you think is going to stick? And what do you think is going to change? Like, for example, some companies are, have this work from anywhere model, recruit from anywhere. Um, is that going to stick? And what else do you think may stick or may not? I think remote Friday is the new casual Friday. I think I think that 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 I think there'll always be whether it's law firms or banks or whatever that may have people in the office on Friday. But I think for the most part, remote Friday will be an option for the majority of organizations. That'll just be the case. I think you'll have a real interesting flex on uh, PTO paid time off and vacation because people can now I'm going to go away for uh, for a long weekend but I'm also going to go two days earlier because the flights are cheaper and I'll work remotely for two days, right? I think you'll have some of that. However, I believe that a full hybrid Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, for the most part, is going to be commonplace. And perhaps Monday through Thursday will be commonplace with a flex day that people can, you know, have a certain amount of flex days on Monday. But, you know, what we have now and we'll see where things are in the next two, three, four years. But we have is an incredibly low unemployment rate. Yeah. Right. An incredibly good economy. So companies aren't one to really push the envelope too hard. They know they need to bring people back for culture, for retention, for onboarding and training. Right. They know they need to do that. But they'll do it three days a week to appease everybody. When unemployment rises five, six, seven percent, when the stock market dips, right, and, and interest rates go up, you're going to see a different world. And and when jobs are scarcer and harder to find, when salaries come down, you don't have the employees don't have as much say. And that's just economic volatility that happens in the marketplace. And right now they can say, I want to work from home on Mondays. Okay, right, but. Yeah. In a different economy, they're going to say, no, not so much. We want you to come in. What are you hearing from candidates right now, Tom? What are some of their requirements or demands? Demands is a strong word, but. Demands is a more accurate word than, than requirements because, you know, you require a certain level of voltage to plug something into the wall, right? We don't require anything to go to work right? We can take it, you know, for most people, we can take a train or a car, we get there, we, we, we go to work. It's what we want. It's our demands. And I think you're seeing employees realize that the majority of them, it's not going to be a fully remote option, that five days a week. It, now, if you have a really unique skill set, if you're a software developer that's got this skill set, if you've got a parent that you're is is terminal and you're going to stay with them for six months right there's situations and circumstances but overall if you live near your office you're going to be going into the work into the office two right. or three days. you just are right okay fair enough fair enough um let's um let's just shift gears for a second here i know you are a fantastic leader yourself i've, I've heard you speak you spoke at some of our programs uh you have various things that you recommend for other other leaders. Um, let's talk about your leadership style and can you share some of your secret sauce? And let's say I'm brand new CEO, uh, going into my first job as the CEO, what would you recommend to them? 
I would I, I appreciate the compliments and the flattery. However, I'll codicil it and say my leadership style is only good in leading people who like my leadership style. Right. And and I get it. We're in a, such a, a, a polarizing political climate. But take take two very popular politicians of the past 30, 40 years. Right. You had Ronald Reagan on one side and you had Barack Obama on the other side. Right. So I'm, I'm being fairly right. I'm, I'm skipping the I'm skipping the last two presidents, right? So I'm going Ronald Reagan and 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 Barack Obama, and they were great leaders, really, to the people that liked that school of thought. They didn't offend everybody else, but they didn't like everybody doesn't like them. And I think that if I went and I attracted a different type of person who might not like my style. The company wouldn't have the success, and I, I think that that's a big part of it of realizing that, you know, my brother used to always say, "There's 31 flavors at, uh, for of ice cream for a reason," and everybody doesn't have to like the same thing. And so for me, that's my number one rule: is be true to yourself as a leader, and then try to find people that are going to appreciate that style. Now, I'm a very hard on your sleeve, authentic. You know, I always like to say. I was I was being transparent, authentic, and crying and do it before any but before Brene Brown, right? Now she's <laughs> smarter than I am and richer and more successful than I am. But but I always believe that you share your stories, you be open and honest about your insecurities, and that's an attractive quality to people. And I I believe that as a leader. I believe that when you ask for help, that's not a weakness, that's a strength. And I think that from a leadership perspective, if you can get your employees to realize that you're onto something, and as a leader, if you can say you don't know versus trying to throw some malarkey out there and seeing what sticks, I think you're better off. But but when you're when you're a first time CEO or a anytime CEO, and what you want to do, I really believe it's about building relationships with your employees. And I also believe it's about building relationships with people two, three, four, five, however big your company is, layers beneath you. And so many CEOs I know, they want to spend their time with their executive team. If I can groom these leaders, I can get them to be, that's great. And you can do that. But the best way to do that is for them to see what you do with younger people, junior people on the, on the team, and to show them that there isn't a class ranking in your organization. It's not flat. I believe in titles. I believe that people should know that there's a hierarchy, but there should also be one that entry-level people can talk to the CEO and have good, solid relationships and, and get to know those people. And I, I, I just, I'm a firm believer that you, you should like and care for the people that work for you. And if you don't, you're not going to want to spend time with them. And if you don't spend time with them, they're not going to spend time with their people. Yeah. Well, I know, I know you do a lot. You do a lot and you really work hard at it. Can you share some of the little things that you do? I, I know you write personal notes. I know anniversaries and birthdays are a big deal. What are some of the uh, things within your culture that you personally drive that you can share? Maybe a, a new CEO might want to borrow. Yeah. So I'll, I'll tell you a real easy thing is I just I have, a, I have a, an app that I fill out and it's called Memo to Me. And I put every important date and anniversary in there. And it sends me an email at four in the morning on that day. And I have it do it three days before the day and then four in the morning on that day. And it'll say, Jennifer Klug's wedding anniversary, 
is Thursday, right? And I can send you a gift, I can send you a card, but on that day, I call and text you. And I have that for every employee, for their birthday, for their anniversary with work, for their wedding anniversary, for if they've lost a, a family member on the anniversary, you know, mothers and fathers, like I, I'm, I'm, I, this is going to sound like I'm an old grumpy guy. Like I'm not necessarily the biggest Hallmark holiday person in the world. Um, but if you've got an employee and they recently lost a parent, they're not doing so great on mothers and fathers day. Yeah. Right. And you shoot them a note and go, you know what, I'm having a time with my kids right now, but I was thinking about how you lost your dad last year and just want you to know I was thinking about you, right? Now, I do that because I really feel that way. Yeah, it's genuine. Opinion, it's genuine. It's genuine. But, but that's how you build a relationship. You know, what? Ha I just I think that, that managerial relationships are the same exact as personal lives. And what happens in a relationship? You court your girlfriend or your boyfriend and you court them and you, you pick them up for dinner and you open the car door and you bring them flowers and take them to dinner. Then you get engaged and you're still happy and you do all this stuff. And then, you know, five years, seven years, 10 years, 15 years, there's no more date night. There's no more going, right? <laughs> so what happens? And what happens, Jennifer? 50% divorce rate in the country. Right. Right? right? It's the exact same thing. What do we do when we want to attract a, an employee? Hey come out for cocktails with our with our management team we want to we want to show it come meet you know what? bring your wife or husband out for dinner i want to i want to get to know your family so we can recruit you to join us you know here's the comp plan that we're gonna right we're, we're ruling you yeah what happens two three four years right there's a new person we're trying to bring on and we're taking that employee for granted i think that's a differentiator for the best and brightest companies to work for because they get that and there's yep. um processes and protocol around that keeping in touch with people keeping people uh top of mind the human not the employee and i think that is really what separates best and brightest companies and it is top down i know you're humble tom but it, it really is top down and it's driven from from the leaders um so let's talk about maybe um any mistakes you see other leaders doing out there? I mean, you're you're recruiting, you're hearing things from organizations and you're seeing people leave and you might see people leave mass exodus from, from certain companies or from certain leaders. What are the mistakes you're seeing others do out there that are good for your business? Yeah, well, I, think, I think that CEOs don't view themselves as the chief recruiting officer of the company. And you might have a CEO that's a sales driven or marketing driven CEO and not a finance or accounting or IT person. And so you delegate that off. Well, let me tell you, you're trying to recruit somebody who's got that skill set and the CEO calls them and tells them, we'd love to have you join our company. You can't pay for that type of relationship. You can't. So every CEO, depending on the size of the company and the level of the employee, should reach out to these hires and say, can't wait to have you join our company. Sincerely hope you're going to join the company. Can't wait to work for with you if you join our company, right? That, that is the number one thing. CEOs distance themselves from new hires, and it's a terrible, terrible mistake, right? I think that's the biggest, the biggest thing that they do. I think, I think number two is they don't share enough of their themselves with their company is that their employees want to get to know them. They care about what makes them tick. They want to know what's going on in your life. They want, 
they, they you know, right. it, it is, I, I agree with you. I, I tried it to be humble. And so it, 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 uh, it took me years to realize it's like, they don't want to have a drink with me. They want to go out for a drink with their coworkers and their friends. And then you go out and you got people saying, oh, can I buy you a drink? Can I do it right? And it's like, <laughs> well, you know, it means something to people because people aspire to be challenged and to grow. And so if you have access to somebody who's much more successful than you are, people want to know who you are. What makes you different? How did you get there? And to share those stories and to be to be confident. The majority of people, present company included, have huge insecurities, right? I, I'm, I'm 6'5", weigh 250 pounds. I walk into a room. It took, I'm 49 years old. It took me until I was probably 40 to feel comfortable being the tallest person in the room, right? I still viewed myself as the gawky 17-year-old kid coming in and how to get comfortable with that. Then my hair's thinning and I got to get comfortable with that, right? But they're real things. They're real things. Absolutely. And I think that, that too often people don't admit their insecurities. And I, I just believe that, that when you tell, like I, I went, I've been divorced for 12 years. I went to therapy for a number of years, only recently stopped. Um, and I'll probably have to be committed to a hospital later for stopping. But but I think that that in, in all seriousness, that I share that with my company, because if somebody's got an issue they're going through, I want them to know it's OK to do it. And there shouldn't be a stigma on that. Especially that, now, especially. especially now, especially now. And I think to, to know that whether you're 49 or 29 or 22 or 59, that that. It's okay to go to therapy and it. And you know what? You need that hour on Thursdays from 11 to 12 to go, go, like go. Yeah, and that's actually one of my pet peeves is um, it's people are scared of the title despite the transparency, despite. So, so I, I like to call it old employer baggage where there's this rank and file, but that's, that's hard to get rid of where uh, a CEO isn't looked at as a human first. So humanizing the position is part of the job. And yeah, I don't I think balance, right? Because I think I think with everything I just said, they also want to see you as a strong leader. And yeah. so you've got to, you know, as I, you've got to look at your who who you, who reports to you. And we've all been through phases in our careers, unless we're brand new to the role, that we've had weak people reporting to us. And your staff knows that you're letting them get away with it. Mm -hmm. And yeah. they're looking at you and saying, why isn't Jennifer? Why isn't Tom? Why isn't Mary? Why isn't Bob? Why aren't they firing that person? Why are they letting them get away with that behavior? Why are they not reprimanding them? The, the staff sees it. So you've got to be strong with your convictions, but vulnerable with your beliefs. And I think that, you know, that we use a phrase here a lot, compassionate accountability. And I, I'm really fortunate. I've had the same human resources leader. She's been with me for 22 years. And she held a bunch of jobs and then went back to college and got her HR certification, blah, 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 blah. But I always say she's got a, as I've gotten older, I've turned into a grumpy middle-aged curmudgeon probably. And, and as she's gotten older, she's developed this terrific um, uh, skill set that she can hug you and kick you in the butt at the same time. And <laughs> you walk out of the office saying thank you with tears running down your face, but a big smile. 
And it's an unbelievable skill set. And I believe that as an entrepreneur, as a leader, as a CEO, when you don't feel the pressure to be responsible for everything, then you can hold other people accountable to doing most everything. Well said. Well and said. I, I love yeah, accountability. We need stickers with that, Tom. We need to make some stickers. Let me trademark it first, Jennifer, for crying out loud. Let me right. make a couple on there. Go for it, and then I'll make the stickers. You got a deal. Let's, uh, in the last few minutes that we have, let's talk about you as a, as a human. Let's humanize you, Tom Gimble. Uh, talk about some fun things. Uh, are you reading any books? I am. I'm doing a combination of audio and, and uh, uh, traditional books. So I made the mistake of getting a dog. And I wish I could blame it on COVID, but I did it right before COVID. Um, <laughs> so I have these long dog walks now that I take. So I'm listening to books then and on airplanes and then I read books when I'm in bed or at home in our free time. So I'm uh, I'm reading The Cult of We, the story of the we of we work right now. So that's a physical book I'm reading along with uh Can't Hurt Me the David Goggins book um which is a little verbally abusive to me. I feel very weak and 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 demasculinized <laughs> when I read it, but it's intense. Um and then on the audio book I went a little bit more pleasure. I'm a big sports fan, and I listened to an autobiography of Walter Payton recently, uh, and I'm listening. It's funny. I'm listening to a book. I like the author in the story, so he had, he wrote a book about the Dallas Cowboys of the 1990s, and it's a gossipy book about this team and all the craziness that went on, but I try to find relatable topics, transferable skills, we call them in job candidates, but transferable messages from a book and i'm reading this book and i'm listening to the story of the gentleman that bought the team the first head coach how they commanded the team how they how they brought people in how they integrated culture and and genuinely um i find it to be more of a of a of a unique read on team building and culture than most of the business books that i read hmm. And I wouldn't decide. That's not why I chose it. It's not why I read it. And I think that so often we get so hyper focused of I need to read a novel because I need to not pay attention to this, or I want to read a biography because I'm just don't want business, or I need a business book. And it can be all three. Can be one if you look for the skills and the makeup of the characters, fiction or nonfiction. Um, I think it can really help you. Yeah, and, and there's adventure stories too, like um, Shackleton, mm -hmm. uh, his story and what he did and how he oh. led a team totally relates to business as well. So more fun with you. If you could take any one job right now, forget what you're doing now, which would, would be a fun job for you to have right now? It's tough because uh, you your job, right? <laughs> well, yeah, you know, I, I do. I love what I do. Um, I'd probably be like a movie star. Cool. <laughs> or not even a character actor. Like, you know what? I don't want to be a movie star. Like, like the second or third person in the movie. That would be fun. That would be fun. Okay. Fair. Uh, favorite color? Uh, orange. Oh, fun. Favorite meal? <sighs> Pizza. 
<laughs> Any specific Chicago style? No, thick, thin, frozen, gourmet. I'm not a big like Domino's guy, but I love, I mean, like my friends, Joe, I could eat, I, I'm not one of those guys that could eat pizza all the time. I do eat pizza all the time. Do you make it too? Do you make your own pizza? I have made pizza with my kids and I've thought about getting that the pizza oven that's advertised all over the place now. I haven't done it yet. So I order out, but I, I, I'll eat it wherever I'll, anywhere. I love it. So a little tip for you on the pizza. I'm yeah. of Arabic heritage. And so we take pita bread yeah. and um, I put, I make pizza out of it. It's delicious. You really? should try it. The, mm -hmm. the, the, the pita is the crust. Yes. Delicious. Mm. Five minutes in the oven. It probably browns oven. very nicely. I bet it, it, it gets that. Yeah. Let me know. Try it. Let me know. I like that. Um, favorite way to de-stress? Uh, I've been meditating for about four or five years now, and that works really well. But then I also have what's called the Juve light, J, I think it's J-O-O-V, maybe, or J-U-U-V. It's a red light, ultraviolet and red lights, because your phone is a blue light, and this is a red light. And uh, I, I try to have it on before when I wake up in the morning and when I go to bed at night, and it helps your mood and your skin cells and all that, and it's been great for me. You, that's fantastic. I got to try that. Yeah. Um, what do you like the most in this world? Oh, my kids. Me too. I, mean, I, love, I love my kids. Right, family. Um, no, 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 no. Just my kids. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> I understand. Thank you. <laughs> um, what would you like to scold yourself about? My weight, exercise. I, I just... I, I can't, I get up really early in the morning and I'll meditate and I'll have the red light on and I'll read and I'll work and I'll walk this damn dog I've got, Jennifer, but I don't, I, 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 I can't get my, I that Peloton sitting there and it's, there's like kryptonite on it. I can't get near it. Give yourself grace there to make sure. And that's my, my advice for all CEOs and leaders. Um, give yourself grace. We've been through a lot lately. And now I'm, uh, I, I, all my, people always go, you're not lazy. You work and you, I go, yes. But when I leave this, I, 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 I'm a little bit of a bump on a log sometimes. Uh -huh. Way okay. too much. Last but not least, how do you define happiness? I think that happiness is like art. It's in the eye of the beholder. And I think that there's too much of it being wide net of what it should be for everybody. And I think that if you're, you know, a quasi workaholic and that makes you happy, God bless you. And I think if you're happy not doing that and making less money, God bless you. And I think that if you, I just think you've got to find it. And I think that happiness is is, you know, my, my dad brought me home a poster when I was a kid. I think one of his customers gave it to him for free, but he brought it home and it said, success is not a destination, but a journey. And I think if you changed it today, it would be happiness is not a destination, but a journey. And I think people want it to be all the time. And without sadness, you don't really know true happiness. And I tell my kids that all the time. And I have moments of sadness and wishing things were different, but I'll tell you what, I sure as heck know when I'm happy and I know how to celebrate and have fun and I'll take it. I like it. Good for you. That's wonderful. I heard something recently that reminded me of our jobs as leaders 
that uh, it's not our job to make our employees happy. It's our job to make them better. I couldn't agree with you more. And I think the the number one thing, it's it's every individual is responsible for their own happiness, right? As a leader, the question is, can we show people what they can achieve? And I'm a firm believer that when you accomplish something that's hard, you feel good. And, mm -hmm. you know, all kidding aside about working out, when I do work out, even when I do a, you know, lazy man's workout for 20 minutes on the bike, I feel better. You do, I, yeah. And I know that when I come to work and I do hard, good work, I feel better. When we yeah. win and we grow, I feel better. And I know that our people do too. And sometimes they don't want to work hard and they're, this isn't the right place and they leave. But it's no different than somebody on a sports team saying, I don't want to work this hard and they quit. It's not for everybody. Yeah. And it's yeah. also not for everybody, Jennifer, at that moment in time. You can, you can, you can not, it cannot be right for you today and it can be right for you in five years from now. And Very that's okay. Well, thank you, Tom. It's been wonderful having you and um, you just incredible thought process, processes that you have and all the good that you do for your culture, your team and for the industry and sharing your industry knowledge with us. Um, congratulations on, on all of your success and keep shining brightly, my friend. Well, thank you so much for having me on and, and having me tell tell our story and, and my story. And uh, thanks for the recognition we've gotten from being on yours. I know it's our employee surveys that get us the recognition, but you put together the, the group. So thank you for what you do and best to you and your family. Uh, thank you, Tom. Bye-bye, everybody. Thank you.